0: After Jesus Christ came and went, the disciples were in shock. For decades, they tried to comprehend that they had been taught and led by a God. Notice 1 John 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Christ's disciples listened to, saw and touched a God being, the God being known as the word who became Jesus Christ and became a human and walked among human beings on this earth for years, for 33 and a half years. A God-made flesh was right here. That is really difficult to comprehend when we really try to think about it. The disciples couldn't even quite process the depth of this. 1 John 1 verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness... And show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The disciples needed time to really process the fact that they had been led by a God. They interacted personally with a God being here on earth, a God being who came from beyond the stars to dwell among us. And they, they learned straight from Jesus Christ. Imagine being taught Directly by Jesus Christ in person, if you followed him around everywhere he went and you listened to him speak and you tried to follow his example, wouldn't that be incredibly exciting? If you really took the time to meditate about that and understand what was really going on, wouldn't that just be thrilling beyond imagination? Here the disciples realized that one of the two everlasting God beings who were around for all eternity before the existence of time itself, who created the universe, who created the angels before they created the universe, who have seen everything, who know everything, who have been perfect for all time and even before time began, These two beings hatched a master plan that involved one of these two God beings coming to earth. And these disciples had a glimpse of that understanding of that plan. And the longer they thought about it, the more they understood, the longer they prayed to God for understanding and and studied into the Bible, the more they began to grasp what it was that they had really experienced. Personal interaction with a God being. A God being manifested right in front of them. They could reach out and touch him. And before he was there with them, he was with the Father, as it says there in 1 John 1, verse 2. And then verse 3, it it just shows how the disciples had such an earth-shaking experience that they needed to tell everyone about it. Now again, imagine if you were following Christ around for years, and then all of a sudden, he was gone It would be very hard to keep that secret. You'd have to declare that to other people. Everyone, you wouldn't believe what I just experienced. I was in the presence of God himself. God himself taught and led me. And he gave me instruction that changed my life. And here I want to give this instruction to you. That's the way the disciples felt about it. God in the flesh taught them. And then it was their responsibility to pass that message on to everyone else. To deliver a message to the largest audience possible. In an article titled, The Goal of Our Work, by Philadelphia Church of God, Pastor General Gerald Flurry, It says, the goal of our work is to bring all humanity into fellowship with the Father and Son. Please read that again. So I'll read it again. The goal of our work is to bring all humanity into fellowship with the Father and Son. Now, we might not have been there in person When Jesus Christ walked the earth. And yet human beings no different from you and me were there and they did see and hear and touch him. We very easily could have witnessed Jesus Christ ourselves if we had been alive 2000 years ago. That's the fact of it. And also the fact of it is that, well, we can have a very close relationship with God and Christ today. There is a way that we can also experience as close as possible to what the disciples did. Now, while Christ was on the earth, there were a few things that the disciples were not too familiar with. Jesus Christ was there with them in person. So notice Matthew 9, verses 14 and 15. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples fast not? These are the disciples of John the Baptist. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Christ's disciples never fasted until he was gone. They were with Christ in person. They were already as close As they could possibly be to God because they were with God all the time and being taught by Him directly in person all the time. Fasting is meant to draw us closer to God. So once Christ was no longer literally there in front of them, that is when the disciples began to fast. And today we can fast. We have material about how to fast and how to do it effectively to really achieve the desired result of becoming one with God. And then even perhaps having some of our requests answered by God, although that is not the main purpose of fasting. But we can fast today. We can draw close to God In a similar way as those disciples got to enjoy, although we don't see Christ in person, we can still use the tool of fasting to connect with God and experience something similar. You can go to pcg.church and just type in fasting. You'll see all kinds of material about, about fasting and how this is such a powerful, vital, spiritual tool. But while Christ was with them in person, the disciples did not fast. Now here's another difference between the disciples while Christ was there and us. John 14 verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Christ speaking. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. This was not long before Christ was crucified. He was put to death as payment for the sins of all mankind And three days later, he was resurrected. Not long after that, he ascended to the Father in heaven. And he is there to this day, living and working on our behalf. He makes direct access to the Father available through prayer. We have an excellent book, How to Pray, available for free at thetrumpet.com. And you can learn all about Christ's job, helping us with prayer. Also, we have a book, the book of Hebrews, What Jesus Christ is Doing Today by Mr. Flurry. So you can read How to Pray. You can read Hebrews. Both of those are free at thetrumpet.com. Christ is away right now. He went to his father. He is preparing positions for us in the kingdom. And then very soon he is going to come back and he is going to give us these positions, these government offices within the kingdom. But in the meantime, Christ gives us something else. Or God does. In in place of Christ being with the disciples in person, God gives us a very solid replacement. Notice a little bit further down in this chapter, John 14, verses 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth... Whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Now there is some confusion injected here by the translators. They often will call the Comforter or the Holy Spirit, He. As if the Holy Spirit is a human being or a God being. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. It's, it's almost like you could equate it to electricity. Electricity makes a lot of things operate. It powers a lot of machines, for example. And yet electricity is not a living being. So, holy, the Holy Spirit is a lot like that. Even if the translators call it "He" instead of "It," but this Comforter, this Holy Spirit power from God the Father, can enter our minds and our lives, and it takes the place of Christ being with us in person. The disciples did not have God's Holy Spirit in their minds until after Christ was gone. Christ gave the Holy Spirit, or God gave the Holy Spirit to the church on the day of Pentecost after Christ was gone. And today, we can also fulfill the requirements and receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 talks about repenting, toward God and being baptized, that means we're sorry for our sins and we commit to going a different direction and obeying God, obeying God's law, committing our lives to God, and then going through that baptismal process, being submerged in the water, coming up out of that water, a new man with a new purpose in life, and then ministers will lay hands on the person who was just baptized and pray for that person to receive the Holy spirit. That is, there's is a whole specific process to that and it's a conversion process. And even beyond receiving the Holy spirit, that conversion process lasts for an entire lifetime. But that is how to receive the Holy spirit to repent and be baptized. This was really the replacement for Jesus Christ's personal presence among the disciples. They didn't receive the Holy spirit until after he was gone. The Holy spirit comforted them in place of Christ being there with them. So just to recap briefly, The disciples did not fast until Christ was gone, and they did not receive God's Holy Spirit until Christ was gone. Now, we can fast today, and we can receive God's Holy Spirit today. And it's really the next best thing to having Jesus Christ personally right next to us all the time. But wow, if we could really just picture God and picture Christ with us all the time, wouldn't that make a tremendous difference? If we could literally see them, we are physical human beings and sometimes maybe God is not as real to us as he should be. Maybe we do things that we know are wrong as long as other people can't see Meanwhile, God is always there and God always sees. And if we cared as much about what God thought as we do about what humans think, that would really help us not do the wrong thing in private. Because really it's not in private because God always sees. And we should want to please God all the time, even when other humans aren't around. But that is a struggle. To actually think of God in that way and realize that he is right here all the time, even if we can't see him. 2 Corinthians 10 has a good admonition for us. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says we should bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's as if we are submitting each thought to Jesus Christ for his approval. Before we spend more time dwelling on that thought, before we allow that thought to bounce around our minds some more, we make sure that Christ approves that thought first. It's as if Christ is walking with us. He's right there with us in person all the time. God gives us these spiritual tools to make him more real to us. We have prayer. We have Bible study. We have fasting. We can receive the power of God's Holy Spirit that will help transform the way we think, the way we speak, the way we live. All of these tools that, though we cannot see Christ and hear him and touch him like the disciples did, we can still... Be very close to God. It's just a matter of using those tools that God makes available. Fellowship as well. Talking with brethren of like mind who have the same spiritual goals as we do. But let's just read that, that quote again from Mr. Gerald Flurry. The goal of our work is to bring all humanity into fellowship with the Father and Son. So let's just think about what that really means. When Christ was with the disciples in person, they talked to him for hours. They asked him all kinds of questions. They wanted his perspective. They wanted to understand eternal prehistory. When no one existed except for God and the word, they wanted to know what it was like creating the angels, creating the universe, dealing with the angelic rebellion and Lucifer betraying them and becoming Satan and turning a third of the angels into demons. And so Christ would teach them and Christ taught them about the job they had to do as well. Christ declared the coming kingdom of God. The disciples had the same job to declare the coming kingdom of God and to get God's people ready to help God's people make changes in their lives so they could qualify for the kingdom. Those disciples fellowshiped with the son And by extension, they fellowshiped with the father. We can do the same thing today through all those spiritual tools, prayer, Bible study, fasting, meditation, fellowship. We can fellowship with the father and the son every single day, but it's not enough for us to just do it. We have to pass it on. That's what the message of God's work is all about. At some point, it won't just be a select few called out from the world today who are close to God and fellowshipping with the Father and Son. God wants to bring all mankind into his family. He wants every human being, billions and billions of them, to fellowship with him. This is not a selfish work where we just try to hoard all of the spiritual truth we can get our hands on and just study it for ourselves to feel good about ourselves. No, we have to share what we know. That doesn't mean going door to door and forcing it on people, but just making the message available in every possible way so that it can be reached by people who want answers. Mr. Flurry writes in this article, The Goal of Our Work, and you can find this at pcg.church. I'll put it in the show notes of this program as well. But he writes in this article about the late educator Herbert W. Armstrong. And when Mr. Armstrong led the work of the Worldwide Church of God, he had spokesman clubs. He had a college where there were research and writing classes. Mr. Flurry writes... The students were not there just to learn the message. They were also taught how to deliver it both in this age and in the millennium. In Herbert W. Armstrong college, our students are taught how to write and speak like Kings and priests. We have a message that must be communicated to all humanity. Receiving God's message is just half of the responsibility. The second part is communicating it. And what a communication job. This message must be delivered to every person ever born. You see, the message is about fellowship with the Father and the Son and helping everyone who has ever lived experience that close relationship with God, with their own Creator, Just like the disciples got to interact with Christ in person, we can interact very closely with God today. And by delivering this message, we pave the way for billions of people to interact very closely with God in the future and in his kingdom for all eternity. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.